Welcome to A Legacy of Preaching with Dr. Bill Burr. For one to have a legacy of faithful preaching, they must love God, love God's truth, and love to preach His truth. Dr. Bill Burr excelled in all of these areas, and he has certainly left us all a legacy of faithful preaching. Now, let's all tune in for this great message from God's Word with Dr. Bill Burr. Turn in your Bibles now to 2 Timothy, please, if you will. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, please. It's so good to know the Lord and know His presence in our lives. It's so good to come together and sing songs of praise to Him. It's so good to come and read precious old book of God. A lot of people sitting in here this morning, you'd go out in the parking lot out there and fight. I mean physically fight for this old book. And I thank God for every one of you. But I'll tell you what, a lot of us that would fight for it sometimes fail to read it as we should. And sometimes fail to hide the words of God in our heart as we should. Amen. I want to talk to you about winning the lost, winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. And in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, if you found your place there, would you stand please? Just stand for just a moment and let's read uh, the first five verses. You listen as I read aloud this morning. And we stand to honor God's word. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick, that is the living, and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Now I want you to underline those words there in your Bible. If you can preach the word be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou, now this verse here, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. I want you to underline those words. Do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Our Father, we thank you, dear God, for... <coughs> the blessed privilege of being able to preach the unsearchable riches of your grace and your glory. I thank you today, dear God, for every man and woman and boy and girl in this room today. I thank you for Emmanuel Baptist Church for what it means to this preacher today and to my family. Lord, I just love each one here and I pray, dear God, that when I speak to them today about uh, being diligent soul winners, oh God, 
Help them to realize that I do this in love and help them to realize that I am not uh, coming here to blast anyone or to chew anyone out about not winning souls because God knows that I haven't been as diligent in this as I have in former days. And oh God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning, warm and tender our hearts during these next few moments together. Oh, I pray, dear God, that the sweet and blessed Holy Ghost of God, the breath of heaven would breathe on us today. I pray, dear God, that you might manifest yourself in a wonderful, marvelous, miraculous way today. Lord, there's people here. There may be a man or woman here today who is so close to getting into sin and wrecking their lives and their homes. There may be someone here today, some young person who is on the very threshold of and the very door of temptation. And Lord, I pray that you'd speak to their heart. And dear God, there are folk here today who have burdens upon them. Lord, they have loved ones. They're, they're mothers and fathers today in this room who have children who are lost and do not know you as their own personal Savior. Oh, I pray, dear God, that you'd speak to each one of these hearts. And Lord, I pray that you'd use me today. Oh, I surrender my will to yours today. I pray, dear God, as I've already prayed and, and I've confessed sin and, and Lord, I want to be a vessel that's able to be used of you today in a wonderful way. Oh God, bless us. Make us to sit together in heavenly places today and know your presence. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. You may be seated. We're talking about winning the lost to Jesus Christ. I'll be speaking to people this morning that I believe who are interested in propagating the gospel and in carrying out the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ in reaching the lost all around the world, not only here, but all around the world for the glory of an honor of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to remind you this morning that these are, are very challenging days that we're living in. I do not need to tell you this morning and to remind you this morning uh, that these, we're living in the last days. And I, I believe the very last of the last days. I know that in Scripture, the last days cover a period of time from Pentecost unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ himself said when he was here on this earth and moving about from place to place and, and healing the sick and the lame and raising the dead and performing miracles, he said uh, things are going to wax worse and worse. And we, we've seen it take place. And, and I, I've never lived in a more wicked day. I, I'm telling you today, they're enemies of the gospel on every hand. They're, they're enemies today to the preacher. They're, 
their enemies today uh, for every person sitting in this congregation today. I mean, the devil doesn't like what's going on here. And uh, all the forces of the wicked one in hell are out to uh, tear us down and to disrupt what God is doing in this place. So I'm reminding you today that we're living in challenging days. The Bible plainly teaches us that this is a day uh, the day in which we live is a day when men uh, have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. I don't believe there's ever been a generation, Brother Frank, who are more uh, uh, guilty of this one sin than uh, uh, a form of godliness. Listen. Uh, you look around you today and you, you ride by the many churches in, uh, in Beckley and Raleigh County. I, I remember when I came here in 1979, uh, we were so discouraged down in South Carolina and I, I had gotten off into, uh, 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 hyper ultra militant movement and, and I'd become bitter in my soul and I, I was caring more about the doctrine of separation than I was about the doctrine of regeneration. And I, I was more interested in standing true to God and His Word than I was in reaching lost souls for Jesus. And I, I was so discouraged. And that's down there, that's called the Bible Belt. And Brother Jimmy, everywhere you look, you see men who are, uh, say they've been called to preach and churches, uh, galore. And so my wife and I talked to her and I said, uh, I'm going to take that church. I'm going to take that church. The night I did, and I, I, I said, uh, we're going there. And I want you to know the reason we're going there is because up in West Virginia, in Beckley, they don't have many churches, many Baptist churches in Beckley. Well, bless your heart, when I got here and got settled into the work, I found out that there are many, many, many churches in and around Beckley. And I'm talking about Baptist churches and independent Baptists and uh, Southern Baptists and American Baptists and Free Will Baptists. And uh, I heard about some people down in South Alabama called College Patch Baptists. Well, I don't know, but there's every kind of Baptist you can think of. They're, they're on every street corner. There's Presbyterians. There's Methodists. There, there's Episcopalians. There's Romans. Roman Catholicism, there's uh, 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 Jews, uh, uh, the, the synagogue, there, there's every kind of religion that you can think of right here in Beckley, but bless your heart, if you get out at night time and at other times and ride around, you'll find out that this is a very, very wicked and sinful place. I'm saying to you that worldliness and modernism is on, the, on every hand. Wickedness in high places. Wickedness everywhere we go. Men have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. They're challenging days for missionaries. God's missionaries, I know, become discouraged. I called down to the Philippine Islands this past week, and it was, I think, 1.30 or 2.30 here in the afternoon, and it was 7.30 over there in the early morning hours. And uh, Mrs. Shiflet answered the telephone, and I said, Hey! Get out of that bed and get up and go to work. And she didn't know who in the world it was. I said, this is Brother Bill up in Beckley, West Virginia. She just shouted. She said, oh, praise God, Brother Bill. Said, it's so good to hear your voice. And I, 
I talked to them a little while and, and I could tell from the sound of their voice that their children were having a hard time and, and people that lived around them there weren't, uh, wouldn't even wear clothes and there were fighting and cursing and swearing and the persecution was upon their family and Mrs. Shiflett prayed with a tear in a voice and she said, oh preacher, said pray that God would give us another house and another place to live here on the island somewhere and she was discouraged. I'm saying to you this morning, these are challenging days. These are depressing days. These are sinful and wicked days. These are discouraging days days and moments that we live in. But it's always been like this. Nothing different really. You think about old Elijah up on Mount Carmel. I don't think there's ever been a man who experienced the power of God any more than Elijah on Mount Carmel. He challenged over 400 uh, prophets of Baal. I mean, listen, he prayed, he slew the prophets, he vindicated the cause of God, he had their heads and, and the power of God was manifest. But listen, it wasn't but just a few days later that that old wicked hellish queen that sat on the throne by the name of Jezebel, she said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. She said, I'm going to take your head just like you took the heads of my prophet. And Elijah, the man of God, got discouraged. And you see him out under the tree and sitting there discouraged. Listen, these are bad days in which we live. Listen, I remember hearing Dr. Lee Robertson down at Highland Park Baptist Church. When I went there in 1964, uh, uh, 1964 or 5, I forget which it was, we went there to go to school in the summertime. I'd never met a man like Lee Robertson. I'd never seen any place like, like Highland Park Baptist Church. I, I remember going there. And uh, the first Sunday I was there, Brother Frank, Listen, in the town that I grew up in, there wasn't but about, uh, I guess, a thousand people at the most in the town that I grew up in. And at that time, they were running around 5,000, I guess, in Sunday school, somewhere five, 6,000. And I remember walking up to that place on Sunday morning, and I saw all the buses coming in, and I saw the orchestra out on the street corner. And they were playing the song, There's Power in the Blood. They had a great big information booth out front when, and just people everywhere. I never saw anything like it in all my life. I remember the first time I ever laid eyes on Dr. Lee Robertson. He walked into the, uh, into the auditorium and nobody had to tell me. Nobody had to punch me in the side and say, Hey, there's Lee Robertson. Listen, when he walked on the platform, I knew who he was. He had a dark double-breasted suit on. His shoes were, shoes were shined. He had that uh, silky gray-haired wavy and pushed back. He looked like a prophet of God. And I, oh, listen, I, I've never met anybody like him in my life. He preached with the power of God. And there were just multitudes of people that were saved there every year through the ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church over those uh, years that he'd been there. And I'd never met anybody like him. But one day in a preacher's class there when we were in school, Dr. Robertson was teaching and he told us, he said, I, 
I don't know why I'm going to tell you this today. He said, I've never told it before publicly anywhere. He said, I've never told it to any other class that ever sat here. He said, but I want to share something with you today. He said uh, that a number of years ago that uh, he got so discouraged that he just drew up in a shell and he couldn't talk. Can you imagine that? Anybody? I could not imagine anybody as forceful and powerful and dynamic as Dr. Lee Robertson was. I, this was beyond my imagination. But you see, all the pressures that we're talking about, all the pressures, they were in his day also. And they got to crowding in on him. And, and, and he just got so discouraged and so depressed until he, he went into a shell, into depression. And, and, and he had literally a, a, a nervous collapse, a nervous breakdown. He said Mrs. Robertson had to take him by the hand and lead him about like a, like a little child. He said he went to the doctor and she led him in, sat down inside the doctor's office and the doctor looked at him and said, Brother Robertson, you're a very sick man. He said he could hear what was going on around him, but he couldn't respond to it. He was defeated and depressed and discouraged. And, and uh, the doctor said, you're a, you're a very, very sick man. He said, Mrs. Robertson, you're going to have to take him to Florida or somewhere in seclusion and just let him rest and relax until he gains back his strength and said, you're going to have to quit preaching. He said he could hear it all about him. Then he sat there and a little while Mrs. Robertson, his wife, came got him by the hand and like a little child led him out and back home. He said that that was on a Friday and he said that Saturday, if I remember right, he said he got in a little study there in his house. And he said he mustered up all the sanity that he could get and gain. He said he prayed and wept before God. And he said, oh God, I don't want to live any longer if I can't preach. Highland Park is my, my dream. Highland Park is my heart. And he said, I'd rather be dead than to not be able to preach. And with that statement, he smiled. And in that forceful, dynamic way, he hit the pulpit and he said, and bless your heart, I was back in my pulpit on Sunday morning and I've been firing away here every week since then but i'm telling you in which we live bless your heart now i know that it comes to your mind it does to mine and i'm just as human as you are and i know sometimes i sit down in my study and i think how can we reach the people here in beckley many's the time i've sat down and I've said, oh God, how can we get the job done? I, I mean, listen, I, it's almost an insurmountable. Boy, that's just the introduction. My whew, Lord, help me. Hear me speedily. I mean, I got to move if I'm going to get this thing done this morning. But I, I'm telling you, I ask myself the question, how can we get the job done? Now, I want to give you four ways. Maybe you want to 
just write some of these things down. Listen, we need to witness with reality this morning. I mean, you ought to believe what you're talking about. When you go out and hand out gospel tracts and when you uh, witness or when you, if you have an opportunity to speak to someone or you're called on to sing a gospel song, you ought to believe it down deep in your soul. Listen, when I get up here to preach on Sunday morning, whether the people like it or not, whether the people believe it or not, I'm saying to you today that every person in this congregation, you ought to look up here and say, hey, that man really believes what he's talking about. And he really believes that Jesus is able to save and Jesus is able to deliver us out of sin. I'm telling you, we ought to believe what we're talking about this morning. I stood one day at a graveside and uh, I, I tried my best to remember the name of the person I could not. I could not remember the name. I'm sorry. But I do remember the experience of talking uh, to a person one day and uh, they, they said to me, Brother Bill said, uh, uh, I don't really uh, believe uh, like you do. And uh, I don't really believe uh, that uh, there are streets of gold and walls of jasper and gates of pearl and and I don't believe that uh, the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, and then they said, but do you? And I said, oh yes, I believe it with all of my heart. And I began to tell them about the Bible as being God's Word. And I told them that I believed to see my Father in heaven one day. And I believed to see my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. I, I believe one day I'll hear Dr. Charles Weigel sing that song he wrote, No One Ever Cared for me like Jesus. I, I believe I'll see David. And I, I talked to him for just a little while. And uh, they looked back at me and said, Hey, preacher, I don't believe it. But if you believe it, and if it's true, I can tell you this. It's a very serious matter. And my friend, it is a serious business today. Listen, multitudes are lost all around us. I mean, all around us in the, in almost within the sound of my voice this morning, there are people who are lost. We need to, we need to witness with tremendous reality. We need to have the Jesus Christ manifest himself in our midst. I don't care so much about whether or not you tell me it's a good message, but I'll tell you what I do want. I want you when you leave this place. I want you to go away from here thinking down deep in your soul. Boy, my preacher really believes what he's talking about. Every time my preacher sings a song, I, I know that down deep in his heart, he knows that the way he sings and the, the way he presents the song, that it, it may have an impact upon somebody's soul. And they may be saved. I don't want to... I don't want you to ever think that this thing is not life and death with me. I mean, he is a reality in my soul today. One time there was uh, uh, an actor in a room full of folk and he was a, an accomplished actor. And one of the uh, people in the room there with him was an old preacher. And uh, the old preacher said, Sir... Would you give the 23rd Psalm? And the actor said, uh, Do you really want me to? And of course all the folks said, Yes, yes, 
we want you to give the 23rd Psalm. Psalm. And so uh, with the uh, finest uh, intonations of voice and the uh, best elocution that a man could have, he stood and, and recited the 23rd Psalm. And then, then when he was through with it, why the people smiled and they, uh, they applauded. And uh, he sat down, uh, or rather he, after they had applauded, he, he then looked at the old preacher and he said, Sir, would you give the 23rd Psalm? And that old preacher stood to his feet and he began and said, The Lord is my shepherd. Now here was a man who had walked with God. Here was a man who had been down into the green meadows with God. Here was a man who had walked beside the still waters with God. Here was a man who had gone down into the dark valley with God and had come out on the bright side. As he came down to the end, he lifted his voice and his face towards heaven and he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There wasn't any applause for him, but people sat with bowed heads and many of them wept. And the actor stood to his feet and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, the difference is I knew the psalm. He knew the shepherd. Friend, it makes a lot of difference. And I'm saying to you this morning, we need a reality of Jesus Christ if we're going to win people to Jesus. I must hurry. Secondly, we need to preach. And we need to witness with courage. I mean, listen, this is, this is no day for the faint-hearted person. I mean, we need courage. We need those who will go all the way as Gideon did. Amen. We need uh, about 300 people here in Beckley that, that'll go all the way. I mean, just sell out entirely and have the courage of God in their soul to stand true for Jesus in this day. I mean, we need some John the Baptist. We need some Nathans in this day. We got one right over here. We need one that, uh, like Nathan, the one that looked at David and said, Thou art the man. I mean, listen, we need some folk who are courageous. I read this. This article was published in the St. Louis Star Times in 1949 on October the 31st. I want to read it to you. The lone survivor, now this will show you what preaching can do. The lone survivor of Jacksonboro, the accursed town that was, is dead. Out of that once damned, now desolate region on Beaver Creek came word today that Richard Bryant, a 105-year-old former Negro slave, had died Friday night. He was the only man alive who saw the terrible curse of a little hutch-backed itinerant minister, Lorenza Dow, come true. He saw the once bustling town disappear, house by house, store by store, until only one house remained, the house specifically spared by Dow. 
When Bryant was three years old, he saw the white residents give up in despair at the freaks of fire, water, and wind and move five miles away to found another town, Sylvania. It was in 1794 that Jacksonboro, halfway between Augusta and Savannah, had been founded. For 36 years, the town went its boisterous way. Then in 1830, Dow drifted down and called upon its citizens to repent. People laughed. They pelted him with eggs and would not let him preach. The tormented little preacher with the burning eyes turned this way and that until a powerful man, Seaburn Goodall, gave him sanctuary in his house. When Dow strode to meet his tormentors again the following day, a mob drove uh, him to a rustic bridge and bade him never return. Scornfully, Dow paused on the span, turned and swore that God would bring swift vengeance, the same that overtook Sodom and Gomorrah. The town folks laughed again. But then unaccountably, fires broke out, wind storms tore off roofs, the placid creek through the middle of the town became wild and unruly, sweeping away homes in flash floods. The remaining settlers finally gave up and moved. Time removed all traces of the town but one spot, the good old place. It was here that Bryant was born into slavery. I'm saying to you, my friend, we need some men of God and some ladies of God, mind you, that will get out and witness for the Lord and hand out gospel tracts and knock on doors and bless your heart. We need to tell Beckley they need to repent. Amen. People need to repent and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'm saying to you today, we need some courage. Friend, listen, we need courage like Daniel. Amen. We need to stand when everyone else turns away. We need to be faithful to God. And then thirdly, we need to pass, we need to witness with, with compassion. Compassion. Listen, you may have the greatest talent God ever gave a man. Without compassion, you're nothing. You may have the most alert and greatest mind that's possible to have, but it's no substitute for compassion. Listen, you look at Jesus. I mean, uh, he came to the city of Jerusalem one time and he, he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens? But you would not. I mean, Jesus had compassion, he said. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I'm telling you, the lost multitudes moved on the heart of Jesus. And he wept and he cried and he was concerned over them. Old Paul shed tears of compassion. Sometimes I think on Thursday night we go out visiting just a handful of folk show up. Old Paul said that he ceased not to warn everyone night 
and day with tears. Listen, friend, I'm begging with you and pleading with you this morning. I, I would to God that he'd move on your heart and help you to realize that people are lost. Listen, when people come to church, people in this room this morning, you know what folk need? They need some warmth. Amen. They need some heartfelt Christianity. They need to see some tears. Listen, people are tired of technicalities. People are tired of hair splitting. People just want to come and hear some man of God pour his heart out to them. And they want to feel the presence of God and know the power of God. And they want to know that we mean what we're talking about. I'm telling you, folk are starved to death for compassion. A man by the name of George Whitfield years ago, boy, I wish we could preach like, I wish I could preach like him, Brother Jerry. Whitfield of England said that he preached one day after he finished preaching, he was going up to his room and they, Brother Bobby, they didn't have the amplification systems that, that we have today. And uh, they didn't have all of the pews and so forth that we have in this day that we're living in. I mean, people were standing in the courtyard. And uh, Brother Whitfield had a candle in his hand. No electric lights back in those days. And he was going up the stairs and he bypassed the balcony. And he could hear the people outside starving to death for the gospel. They were standing outside of his, his balcony, his window. And he'd already preached to them for hours. And they said, Brother Whitfield, come out. Come out and preach some more to us. Went out and he died. Oh, I'm telling you, my friend, we need some men like George Whitfield that have compassion that will live for God. I'm saying to you, we need some uh, Sam Jones is in this day. We need some George Whitfields. We need some uh, some Moody's. Uh, uh, Moody's. We need some Tories. We need some Billy Sundays. We need some Charles Haddon Spurgeons in this day that we're living in. Listen, we need for God to give us a vision of our city. It is said one time that J. Wilbur Chapman went to New York City and visited there. J. Wilbur Chapman was a great preacher. Some of you young people, listen, you, you read too much, uh, trash. You ought to get a hold of some good, uh, biographies and autobiographies and sit down and read about these great preachers of bygone days. J. Wilbur Chapman was a great evangelist and he went to New York City one time and Sam Hadley was uh, uh, the man who, who operated a mission in New York City. And I've heard for years and I've read about Sam Hadley and the tremendous heart and compassion that he had for the derelicts on the streets of New York City. Oh, I would to God, in 1985, we had a Sam Hadley here in Beckley. I would to God that there were some J. Wilbur Chapmans around today. But J. Wilbur Chapman went to uh, New York City and he said, Sam, I want you to show me tonight the slums of this city and the human derelicts without God. I want to see these sinners in the rough. And so J. Wilbur Chapman 
And Sam Hadley went out and walked down into the slums. Mr. Chapman wrote and said that he had never seen such awful conditions. He said he saw men lying prostrate on the sidewalk and in gutters. He said that he heard the curses of lost men and women. He heard shrieks and groans and all that goes with drunkenness and debauchery and lust and sin. He heard it all. And as they walked alone, Mr. Chapman said they came under a street light. And all of a sudden, he heard Sam Hadley cry, Oh! 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 He said he rushed to his side. And he said, Mr. Hadley, have you had a seizure? Have you had an attack? J. Wilbur Chapman said that Sam Hadley looked at him and said, Oh, God, give me the souls of these men and women. J. Wilbur Chapman said it broke his heart. We need some Hadleys today. We need some men like old John Knox that knelt on his knees and cried and said, Oh, God, if you don't give me Scotland, I feel like I'll die. We need some men like old big John Burleson who back yonder years ago fell on those sand dunes in Texas and cried and said, Oh God, oh God, give me Texas or I'll die. We need to preach with compassion. I mean, intellect won't get it, friend. Now you can have your intellect. I want compassion. Amen. You can have your hair splitting. I want compassion. I'm telling you today what this church needs, what, what Emmanuel Baptist Church is, some of you mamas and you daddies out there to get stirred up. Some of you grown people, some of you young adults, and some of you young people, you know what we need? We need people to get out as need be and crawl on their hands and knees to an altar and pray, Oh God, I've failed, I've failed. Oh God, help me. Help me. Give me some compassion. And then lastly, I want to say this. You need to witness in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. I'm telling you, friend, we need power. I sometimes feel, and I'm sure that you do also, but I sometimes feel that, that most of my ministry is carried on without the breath of God on me and Emmanuel Baptist Church. You say, preacher, I had no idea. Yes, yes, yes. Listen, sometimes I get alone by myself and my heart pants after God. And I beg and I plead and I so I decided this week that I I too was going to pray and ask God to bless me with His power make my ministry what it ought to be. Listen, don't just pray one time and quit. We ought to be starved to know the power of God. I'm tired of the same thing. Amen. I'm tired of coldness. I, I'm tired of, uh, of just uh, 
a, a do-nothing attitude. I, I mean, listen, let's get in a get-out one. Amen. Let's get in a give-up. Let's do something for God or, or just go on home and twiddle our thumbs and wait on people to die and go to hell without God. I'm telling you, Brother Buck fixed up a death rate calculator. We're going to have it during the missions conference. He's got that thing set up. And did you know that every second, almost two souls die and go out into eternity? I mean, listen, friend. That thing started running, and it wasn't long before it was 2,000. It wasn't just a little while until it was 8,000, 10,000, 20,000. I mean, you watch it. it, it it'll shock you. It'll blow your mind to see it there in black and white to souls who are dying, lost without God. And while we sit around and drink our Pepsi Colas and eat our nabs and twiddle our thumbs and the world goes to hell. You say, preacher, you're getting mean. No, I'm just telling you, friend, I know how it is. We spend a lot more time reading newspapers and magazines and listening to the radio and television than we do out knocking on doors and telling people, hey, 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 you better get something. Pateresky, the musician, said that when he gave a performance that he would go to the every part of the auditorium, every room in it, and look in each little room and all through every seat in the auditorium and then he would go back into a room way back out of sight somewhere and for hours he would sit there he'd tell his manager not to disturb him at all you sit there for hours until it came time for him to perform and then the manager would come back and quietly open the door and take him by the hand and lead him out to the people. And on the way, if the manager spoke a word, he said that Pateresky would turn around and go back into the room and stay and meditate a while longer until the musical score that he was going to present to those people gripped his soul. And it was all that he thought about. They'd come out and get him and take him to the piano. And when his fingers touched the keys, he moved the hearts of people in his office. I'm saying to you this morning, you listen to this old preacher, you know what we need to do? We need to find us a closet somewhere quiet, long by ourselves, just God and us. We need to stay there and stay there and stay there and stay there and stay there until God comes upon us. Amen! Until we know His power is manifest. Then I can guarantee you things will be different in this church. We need a reality of Jesus Christ. We need courage. We need compassion. We need power. There are people right here today in this room 
who need Jesus Christ. They'll never find you if we don't point them.